Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, how are we doing, how are we doing, and welcome to episode number 28 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and Boston Celtics favorite season ticket holder, Tim G. Thanks so much for tuning in on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and all other fine podcast applications. Twitter machine, at Banner Banter 18, Facebook and Instagram, at Banner Banter Podcast. A lot to cover this week. It was not a very good week. Beat LA week was a complete and utter failure. The Red Sox can beat LA teams. The Patriots can beat LA teams. The Bruins can beat LA teams, even if they need overtime. And the Celtics failed beat LA week. And I am not in a very good mood because of it. And you can probably hear that in the tone of my voice. They literally ruined my weekend. And I'm not very happy. But let's just get right into it because that's how we roll. Current state of the Boston Celtics, they're 35 and 21. Remember last week, they were the third seed in the East. They're now the fifth seed. They're now one game behind the 76ers, two games behind the Pacers for third. Pacers have won five in a row without Victor Oladipo. Who would have thought that would have happened? Crap. But I think the next five games for the Celtics are literally going to make or break the season. I really and truly do. The next five games for the Celtics, on the road against the 76ers, home against the Bucks. I'm sorry, the Pistons, on the road against the Bucks, on the road against the Bulls, on the road against the Raptors. So you're literally playing three out of the best four teams based on the standings in the East, all on the road. Huge, huge, huge next five games for the Celtics. Absolutely crazy. But we've got the All-Star break coming up, and I don't think a team needs an All-Star break more than this Boston Celtics team, and I'll explain later on. Draft pick situation really isn't ideal. Grizzlies are six, so we're not going to be getting their pick this year. The Kings are 14th. We're getting their pick no matter what. Clippers are 18th. Most likely we'll get their pick if they keep playing the way that they did in the second half against Celtics on Saturday night. And the Celtics are currently 23rd. So trade deadline. It ended 3 p.m. this past Thursday. All the t- A lot of the teams in the East that are above the Celtics in the standings made some great moves to make their teams better. So I'm going to start from what I think was the least important move to the most important move, in my opinion, okay? So, least most important, but the headline obviously hits you hard. Marc Gasol, Memphis Grizzlies, all-star type caliber player. He's getting older, contract year, etc., etc. The Grizzlies traded Marc Gasol for Jonas Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, CJ Miles, and a 2024 second round pick. Who makes that decision? 2024 is five years from now. Trump's done with his presidency in 2020, and the next president after him will be done in 2024. How is that? Who thinks of that? Did someone go, how about a 2023 second round pick? And someone was like, nah, give me that 2024 second round pick. I don't know. makes no sense. Now, the Raptors also waived Greg Monroe as well. Interesting. So now you're going to be relying on Serge Ibaka, good player, Marcus Gasol, good player. If one of those guys get hurt, their big man depth is thin. 
real thin. Now, I know you don't really need a big man, but if the Raptors were to play Joel Embiid, who arguably is one of, if not the best centers in the NBA, and you don't have Ibaka or Gasol, if one of them do get hurt, that's that's bad news, bad news for them. And I kind of think Marc Gasol slows down the Raptors a little bit. The Raptors are a very fast-paced moving team, and I kind of think that that slows them down. But I think Marcus Gasol is a better defender than Jonas Valanciunas and Greg Monroe are, so that's definitely an upgrade. So I think defensively they'll be a little bit better, but offensively, mm, I don't know, not so much. Then the 76ers made a huge move as well, but now they don't really have a lot of depth because of it. And I did a Facebook Live post the other day at Banner Banter Podcast on Facebook. It was really early in the morning. I woke up. I had to get it off my chest. So if no one watched it, that's fine. But if you want to check it out, go to the Banner Banter Podcast Facebook page. They traded Tobias Harris, Boban Majanovic. That took, that's a mouthful. Some of these foreign players' names, they're a mouthful. Boban Majanovic. And I guarantee you I didn't even say that right. And Mike Scott. And they traded for Landry Shamit, Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, and two picks. They also traded Markel Fultz, the overall number one pick in the draft two years ago for Jonathan Simmons, who used to play for the Spurs, now plays for the Magic. So Markel Fultz is going to start a clean, brand new slate down in, down in Orlando for the Magic. I'm happy for him. I hope it works out because that kid's been through hell. But you just got to give a shout out to Danny Ainge. Clearly, Danny Ainge did the right thing. I think everyone and their mother, including myself, thought Markel Fultz was the way to go. And wow, were we wrong. Very happy to have Jason Tatum. Unbelievable that Danny Ainge like figured that out before anyone else did. Absolutely crazy. But speaking of crazy, the starting five for the Philadelphia 76ers is absurd. Ben Simmons, good. Jimmy Butler, great. J.J. Redick, delightful. I'm biased. He's my favorite Duke player of all time. Tobias Harris, should have, could have been an all-star this year. He was dropping like 20 points a game for the Clippers. Clippers are in the Western Conference, in the playoffs. Those are great numbers. Should have made the all-star team kind of like a snub, but then again, the West is so packed with great players. And then, of course, you have Joel Embiid. But what's kind of crazy is the 76ers are really going all in. You got J.J. Redick as a free agent this summer. Tobias Harris is a free agent this summer. Jimmy Butler is a free agent this summer. So if all three of those dudes walk, you've given up a lot of players for literally like five months. It's very interesting to see if Jimmy Butler will stay. I still think Jimmy Butler is going to go down to Miami. That's my prediction. But anyways, their depth got hurt a great deal. You know, you got Boban, you got Mike Scott, Tyler Ennis, and then TJ McConnell. I'm not really afraid of any of those guys in any way, shape, or form. Like TJ McConnell, sure, he plays Terry Rozier tough, but like if we were to meet them in the playoff, if our starting five can hang with their starting five, our bench will blow them out of the water. I, thorough, I I really and truly believe that. But that starting five, your starting five plays most of the minutes in the playoffs anyway. So the 76ers, they improved. They improved real well. But I think the sneaky best move of the entire trade deadline is what the Bucks did. So the Bucks had Thonmaker. Thonmaker, young kid, great career. He's like 21. He might not even be 21, but he is very young. He, he's on like his thir- second or third year in the league. He's a Celtics killer, corner three-point guy. And he really didn't have a role with the Bucks because he's the backup to Giannis. And you're going to put Giannis Antetokounmpo on the floor like, you know, 35, 36 minutes a game. So he's really not getting a lot of playing time. So he wanted out. And so basically what they did was they had a three-team trade. The Pelicans get Jason Smith from the Pistons and Stanley Johnson from the Pistons. 
The Pistons get Thon Maker, and then the Bucks get Nikola Miritich. Nikola Miritich is a insane three-point shooter. If you guys remember the Pelicans game in November down in New Orleans, or New Orleans, however you want to pronounce it, he shot the lights out, but he's also a terrible defender. You know, you put Jason Tatum on him, or you have Miritich uh, defend Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum's going to go to work all day long. That is a promise, my friends. That is a promise. So I think Miritich really helps Giannis and Chris Middleton spread the floor because now Giannis can just dribble the ball up the court, and now you got Middleton on one side, Miritich on the other, Eric Bledsoe can just watch and do whatever, and then Robin, I'm sorry, not Robin Lopez, Brooke Lopez can also stand out there too, and they can just shoot the lights out. They really can because Giannis can't shoot for the hell of them, but he can attack the rim now now that the, all four of his teammates are going to be standing outside the three-point line. So I think they made a great trade. I thought the Bucks won the playoff deadline. I mean the playoff deadline, the trade deadline by a mile. I really and truly think that, and we'll see how Miritich does for that team. I'm One last thing about the trade deadline before we get into the buyout market. I'm really happy that the trade deadline's over, and I think Kyrie Irving is too. Kyrie Irving mentioned after the Lakers game the other night that he was glad the trade deadline was over. It's over and done with. He can focus on the rest of the season, move on, stop answering all the crappy questions, and now this team can focus on winning a championship and improving day by day, and that's what matters. And it was very interesting to see what Danny Ainge had to say with Toucher and Rich. He basically said that him and Kyrie are engaged, which is weird, and that their wedding date is July 1st. So is Kyrie not going to show up to the altar? If he doesn't sign, like, is Danny going to be heartbroken? Is that be, did he, is he basically saying he's in love with Kyrie Irving? I mean, if he is, I mean, I mean, I love Kyrie too, but to say that him and I are engaged and I'm looking forward to our wedding day on July 1st, that's, that's tough and a little weird, I think. I really and truly do. But what Danny needs to focus on, minus all the details of the flowers, you know, the, the table numbers, the DJ, the photographer, the transportation, instead of talking about all that stuff, he has to worry about the buyout market. The Celtics were waiting for the NBA to hopefully terminate Jabari Bird's contract because of what Jabari Bird did earlier in the season by all the domestic violence stuff that he did, and we're not getting into that. But because the NBA didn't go after it quick enough, the Celtics had to trade Jabari Bird to the Atlanta Hawks for cash, and then the Atlanta Hawks released them, and hopefully Jabari Bird will never play a game of basketball ever again. So now the Celtics have an open roster spot for the buyout market. Now, the problem is with that, if you're a veteran who got bought out, like, for example, Markeith Morris, Marcus Morris' brother, he got traded to the Pelicans and then was released, but he's out for the next six weeks with a neck injury. He's been out for a little bit, and now he's probably going to be out for another five or six weeks. So do you want to be starting behind your brother, behind Gordon Hayward, behind Jalen Brown, those type of guys, or do you want to be like the sixth or seventh man for the Philadelphia 76ers? Or do you want to be the seventh or eighth guy for the Toronto Raptors? Why would you want to come in and be like the 10th or 11th guy? That's what the Celtics have to be a little bit worried about. Does a veteran want to come here and realize they might not be getting a lot of minutes, but they can? But their role could obviously grow if they play well, but they're not going to have a lot of time to do that. So it's very, very interesting. So I'm going to give you guys a list right now of guys that I think 
the Celtics should go after and hopefully can go after. So the first one I want to start off with, nothing is official yet, but Robert Lopez, Brooke Lopez's brother, currently plays for the Bulls. He's the one with the crazy hair. There's rumors going around that the Bulls might buy him out. And the Bulls just made a couple trades to the, why am I having a brain fart? The Washington Wizards for Otto Porter. They sent Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis Jr. to Washington. The Wizards got rid of Otto Porter Jr. in that terrible contract because he's so overrated. And that was such a bad move by them to the Bulls. And hopefully Robert Lopez gets released. So then I would, after that, I'd go Markeith Morris. If Markeith and Marcus want to play together, I'm in. As long as Markeith can shoot the ball like Marcus has this year, I'm down like a clown Charlie Brown. But I think the guy that I want is Entis Cantor. Currently plays for the Knicks. He is a defensive liability. He's not a very good defender in any way, shape, or form. But two out of the last four years, he has led the NBA in offensive rebounding. And as of right now, he's averaging 14 and 10. Now, I know he's having some problems with the Turkish government, and he might get sniped at the drop of a dime because they basically want him dead. But I think he's worth a shot because Aaron Baines is a better defender, but Cantor can score better and rebound better than Baines. So it's very like you can't have Baines and Cantor out on the floor together. You could have Cantor and Horford out there together because Horford can make up for Cantor's bad defense and Cantor can make up for Horford's bad rebounding. That's what I think. Now, you also have guys like Carmelo Anthony <laughs> next. And then you also have guys like Greg Monroe, Martin Gortat, or Mar- Martian Gortat, and Zach Randolph. Zach Randolph hasn't really played all year. He's 37 years old. I'm all set. Gortat, interesting, only if we need to. Greg Monroe, the Moose, he played for the Celtics last year in the playoffs. He wasn't bad. He wasn't great either. I wouldn't be against it if they want to bring him back. He knows the system. He'll know his role. I wouldn't be against that. But if I could get Cantor or Markeith Morris or Robert Lopez or Greg Monroe, I'm down. Just not Carmelo Anthony. Please, for the love of God. Please, please, please. All right. The last three games for the Boston Celtics. Let's recap them. We'll first start off with the Cavs game at home last Tuesday. They won 103-96. to Marcus Morris didn't play. Kyrie Irving didn't play. And Jason Tatum, once again, had the chance to be the number one guy, and he did a great job. He had 25-7. and seven. It was a delightful game. Terry Rozier started in place of Kyrie Irving. Not a bad game. 32 minutes, 3-9 shooting. You expect that from Terry. Five boards, four assists. We're expecting more? Sure. Absolutely. There's Jalen Brown character, on the other hand. Six of 19 shooting. Like, who, who, 19 shots in a game? Who do you think you are? He only played in 28 minutes. He was taking like one shot a minute, basically. Absolutely insane. And he was a minus three as a starter, but the team won. Makes no sense. Gordon Hayward, great game. 9 of 14 from the field. He attacked the basket. Aggressive again. His confidence still isn't there attacking the basket, guys. It's starting to annoy me. Don't get me wrong. But it's getting there. Okay? It's definitely a uphill battle in the sand barefoot both ways or whatever that saying goes that you hear from your parents all the time but he also had six boards and five assists and I that's productive to me six boards five assists seeing everyone involved now one of the things I didn't really like about Jason Tatum Jason Tatum's post-up isolation game I understand is what he learned from Kobe and it's either great or it's annoying and I and it's fine I get that 
But this dude, Jason Tatum, misses so many backdoor cuts, whether it's from Jalen or Gordon or Marcus Morris or Kyrie or whoever. He literally is only paying attention to the the defender that is defending him, not the rest of the court. And I swear to God, if Brad can just let Jason know, hey, dude, you missed about six backdoor cuts, guys, wide open. and happened a dozen times minimum in the Clippers game the other day. And most of them were to Gordon Hayward. But he needs to realize that once he puts his back to the basket, it's okay, but there's also four other guys out there on the court. And I understand it's his second year. He'll improve. He'll be fine. All good. Al Horford, another great game. Blocking shots. He really didn't have a lot of help on the boards. I mean, Nance and Zizic score, uh, had 12 rebounds each, I believe. Yeah, they each had 12 boards. So 24 boards between two players. But Al had three blocks in the game. He protected the paint well. But again, no help rebounding, especially with Baines being hurt. Time Lord didn't really play that much. So yeah, that's that. But the Celtics won this game, ladies and gentlemen, because of their defense. I know. I'm shocked too. They forced turnovers. They were bad shots. Second quarter and fourth quarter combined, the Cavs only scored 34 points combined in 24 minutes of basketball. They only scored 36 points. So, I'm telling you, if they just put in effort on the defensive end, this team's really good. And I know it's the Cavs and the Cavs suck, but just play good defense. Please, 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 please. And you guys will be fine. All right. Now, let's give an in-depth look on the Lakers game. And here we go. Congratulations to Rajon Rondo for making that big shot. Okay. So Saturday night, the Lakers, um, I'm sorry, the Clippers came into town Saturday night. This one really, really made me angry. The Celtics had a 28 point lead in this game. The Celtics only had one turnover in the first half. The Celtics dropped 73 points in the first half. The most under the Brad Stevens era in one half, the best offensive performance they've had all year and then in the second half they scored a total come on folks of 38 points and they had 11 turnovers so they had 11 10 or 11 times more turnovers than they did in the first half and they scored less than half of what they did in the second half how do you score 73 points in the first flipping half, and then come out and score 12 points in the third quarter. 12 points in the third quarter. You score 43 in the first, 31 in the second, 12 in the third, and 26 in the fourth. So then, how do you lose this game? Oh, I don't know. You let... The team scored 20 in the first quarter. Hey, not bad. 33 in the second. 28 in the third. And then 42 in the fourth quarter. You got outscored 42 to 26 in the fourth quarter. At home when you were up 28 in the game. You like There were two runs in this game that, drew, that literally blew my mind. There was a timeout with like seven minutes to go in the third quarter. The Celtics were up at like 86 to 81. And then... They allowed the Clippers to go on a 20-6 to run, end of the quarter, and then fourth quarter starts 42-26 to to close out the game. I don't understand how it happens. Gordon Hayward, your leading scorer, again, 19 points. 
I understand Kyrie went down. I understand Kyrie was feeling it in that game. He had 14 points in 14 minutes. He went down with a sprained right knee. Woj and the Celtics announced today he had an MRI. Everything came out fine. He's day-to-day. I hope he plays in that Philly game. If he doesn't want to play in the back-to-back against the Pistons on Wednesday, okay, fine, but you also have the entire All-Star break, and you don't need to play in the All-Star game if you don't want to, Kyrie, okay? You, you can still be boys with LeBron afterwards, and we'll get into the All-Star game in a little bit. But here's the thing. Lazy defense drives me nuts. Absolutely nuts. It drives me nuts. The Celtics allowed 18 free throws to the Lakers on Thursday, and we'll get into that in a bit. They allowed 40 free throws to the Clippers. 40. That's lazy defense. It really is. There were a couple times where Jalen Brown literally did not know he was playing basketball. The communications between him and Al Horford were brutal. Now, I know I'm a little hard on Jalen Brown, okay? And even if I wasn't hard on Jalen Brown, if someone's going to be like, who messed up that play defensively, Jalen Brown or Al Horford? Who do you think's the better defender? Go ahead, say it out loud. Al Horford. Yep, he is. Super. Great. Love it. Glad we all agree. So if Jalen Brown is going to let literally the Celtics switch, I would say 90% of the time they do. So if Al Horford is going to get put, be put on your man, he's going to let you know, and he did. And then Jalen still tried to trap, terrible, floated over the pass, uh, pass floated over the, the paint, caught Harrell with the dunk. By the way, Montreal Harrell. Loved his Allen Iverson sneakers in that game. Those are classic Allen Iverson sneakers, so shout out to him. But there were also times where Jalen Brown would have a bad play defensively and put his hand in the air. Like, hey, Brad, yeah, I knew I messed up because I suck. Um, I, I just can't stand it. How do you score 73 points in 24 minutes of basketball, and then all you, go, all you do is go to a locker room, and you come back and you score 12 one point a minute. One point a minute. You usually get like four or five possessions a minute. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, guys. This beat LA weekend sucked. It really sucked the air out of me. But there were some good there there was some good news coming out of this week, and this is where we will do the stud and dud of the week. Hit the music. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week. The dud's going to be a doozy, let me tell you. But the stud, Daniel Tice. Hey. Great games against the Cavs, the Lakers. Mediocre game against the Clippers. Cavs game, he was 3 of 3 from the field. Three boards, six points, plus six. Love it. Lakers game. He was the only reason why the Celtics were in that Lakers game. I'm telling you that right now. He really and truly was. The bench scored 61 points. Okay? Daniel Tice had a third of that. He had 20 points on 9-11 shooting, six boards, and Three offensive and three defensive. Huh. Look at that. Attacking the offensive class. Good things happen. And here's the best part. He only played 23 minutes. Yeah. He played a great game against the Lakers. I'm really happy for Daniel Tice. And then the Clippers game, he was 4-4. So literally, 
In the last three games, Daniel Tice, Tim, do numbers real quick in your head. He's literally, oh God, 17 of 19. Uh, yeah, 17 of 19 in his last three games. Or six, no, wait. I can't do him. 16 of 18, sorry. 16 of 18 in his last three games. Yeah, you're you're the stud of the week, Daniel Tice. Congratulations. Because last week I kind of wrote you off because of your piss poor defense that you played. But this week, job well done. Way to listen to the podcast and react properly, and you've earned the stud of the week. Now, the dud of the week is every single person who played or every single person who coached in the Clippers game, maybe except for Daniel Tice. Anyone who was involved in that Clippers game is the dud. That was embarrassing. An embarrassing effort all around. Brad Stevens sucked in that game. Marcus Morris sucked. Marcus Smart sucked. Al Horford sucked. Everyone sucked in that game. And Marcus Morris said it best after this game, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. This is what he said. It's a little long, but it's a great quote. For me, it's not really about the loss. It's about the attitudes that we're playing with. Guys are hanging their heads. It's not fun. It's not fun. We're not competing at a high level. Even though we're winning, it's not fun. I don't see the joy in the game. I watch all these other teams around the league, and guys are up on the bench, jumping on the court, doing all that stuff. That makes it looks like they're enjoying their teammates' success. They're enjoying everything, and they're playing together, and they're playing to win. I just look at us. I just see a whole bunch of un- of individuals. It hasn't been fun for a long time. It hasn't been fun for a long time, winning or not. The attitude is, it is what it is. And he's right. Do you think Jalen Brown gets excited when Marcus Morris drops 19 points a game? Do you think Terry Rozier is happy when Gordon Hayward might get more minutes than him? No. The young guys need to make sacrifices. You look back in the 08 Celtics team. Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, those dudes made sacrifices. I understand they were older. They were veterans. They they wanted a championship. I get that. Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown are trying to make big money when they're free agents. I get it. They're trying to create a brand for themselves. That's cool. Make a sacrifice for your basketball team. Get over yourselves. You had a cute little run in the Eastern Conference Finals. It was cute. You got your Scary Terry merch. You found out that fasting was the way to go to guard LeBron James, Jalen, but like, you, you guys need to get over yourself because it's not getting any easier for you. The Raptors, strength of schedule, easiest the rest of the way. The Bucks, 26th easiest. The 76ers, 23rd easiest. The Pacers have the 8th toughest strength of schedule. And guess who has the strongest strength of schedule the rest of the way? The Celtics are 7th, and they're 5th right now in the Eastern Conference. It's not getting any easier. These guys need to get over themselves. What you did in the Eastern Conference Finals was great. What you did in the second round against the Philadelphia 76ers last year was great. What you did to ruin Eric Bledsoe's career was great. Get the fuck over yourselves. I'm so sick of it. Gordon Hayward is an all-star. Dude's leg is shattered in half. He's probably not that happy with life, but he's accepting his role and he's trying to make the best of it. Aaron Baines... Great teammate. Marcus Morris even Marcus Morris went on for a bit and he even talked about if you gotta put me back on the bench so some of these guys get happy, so be it. Jalen Brown doesn't care about putting in minutes. Terry Rogier doesn't care about putting in minutes. They just want to know that they're starting in the NBA so they can make money and they can be seen. And it's bullshit. 
and I'm sick of it. Everyone needs to make sacrifices. Everyone. Al Horford, Kyrie, Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris, I get Brad. Everyone needs to get their head out of their asses. It's it's crazy to think that after that players only meeting on December 21st when they got blown out by the Bucks, the Celtics are 17 and 8 since that players meeting. I think that's pretty good. Don't you guys? I mean, think about it. They beat the Raptors. They've beaten the Thunder. Those are, you, you could argue, two of the top six, seven best teams in the league. They also beat the Pacers. They beat, uh, who else did they beat that month or, or during that little run? They beat Dallas. They're pretty good. They beat the 76ers on Christmas Day. Like, they only lost to the Warriors by four. Like, these are legit things to be happy about, and they're not. Marcus Morris is a free agent this summer. If you lose Anthony Davis and you lose Kyrie Irving, you could sign Marcus Morris to a long-term deal. Why would he want to stay here if it's not fun? Terry Rozier is out the door. If if Kyrie stays, Terry's leaving. The Celtics are going to have to pick Trey Jones as the 23rd pick for the new backup point guard to keep Brad Wanamaker. But the only person having fun on this team is Yabo, and he doesn't even play. These guys need to stop. It's over, Jalen. It's over, Terry. You had your glory. Now show up and play basketball. Be the underdogs that you were, which made you guys successful last year. Please. I beg you. I really do. All right, I'm done with my little banter there. But everyone needs to make a sacrifice on this team. I think Kyrie has. I think Kyrie has could be better offensively with this team, but he's playing so well defensively that sometimes that goes away, and that's why Kawhi Leonard is the player that he is. He gives up. He sacrifices on both ends of the floor. So if Jalen Brown is going to give me a 6 of 19 night as a starter and then get butt hurt because he doesn't get enough minutes against the Lakers or something, tough shit, kid. Get over it. All right. Let's preview the two games that the Celtics have this week. First one, Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. TNT, I believe. Yeah, TNT. It's a big game, guys. It's a big game. And the reason why it's a big game is because of this. If the Celtics win this game, they will win the season series against the Philadelphia 76ers. And the head-to-head matchup is the first tiebreaker when it comes to the playoff seedings. So let's say each team ends with a 50-32 and 32 record. Okay? this And the Celtics and the 76ers are 4-5, but they're tied. The Celtics will get that four seed if they win one more game against the 76ers. So squash the beef right now. And end it. And it's the same thing in a couple weeks. If the Celtics can go on a little bit of a run here and they beat the Toronto Raptors on the 26th of February in Toronto, they'll be up 3-1. They win that season series. Tuesday is the most important game for the Boston Celtics. 76ers fans are on their high horse. They think they have a better starting five than the Celtics do. And they're right. They don't have a better coach. And they don't have a better bench. But that starting five is as good as you can get in the NBA. It's better than the Celtics. And I understand that the Celtics starting five, since they changed over from Marcus Morris to Marcus Smart, is good. I get it. But the talent that the 76ers have in their starting lineup is no joke. Now, the Celtics are 13-13 and 13 on the road. Not good. The 76ers are 22-6 and six at home, and they just beat the number one team in their Western Conference, Denver Nuggets, based on the standings. I know the Warriors are really the best team in the West. Let's be serious. 
The Celtics just need to win this game. The strength of schedule isn't on their side. Seven, like I mentioned, 76ers are 23rd, Celtics are 7th. That's that's a lot of ground to make up. And how like the matchups. Obviously, Embiid goes on Horford. Tatum goes on Tobias Harris. Morris on Butler. Smart on Redick. Kyrie on Ben Simmons. Or Kyrie's running around chasing J.J. Redick. That kind of scares me with his knee, but that's fine. But no Horf, no, I'm sorry, no Baines affects this game because you can, Horford can wear out Embiid because he's good defensively, but physically Embiid's more physical than Horford. But if you put Baines in there, Baines can push Embiid around. Embiid is hurt. Like his back hurts. You see, there are times where he runs up and down the court. Like I was watching the Nuggets game the other night. He he's in pain. He really is. And you bang him around a little bit, he'll he'll back away. And then the other thing is, will Ben Simmons show up against the Celtics? Because Ben Simmons sucks against the Celtics. And that probably means he's probably gonna have 30, 20, and 10 now that I just mentioned that. But he's not good. I mentioned it before after the the Christmas game that he's like a minus one seventy nine against the Celtics. It's absolutely absurd. Now the other thing that's very important in this game, TJ McConnell, he's obviously the best bench player for the 76ers. Terry Rozier has to show up. This is one of those Terry Rozier games where you expect him to get 15 points, six boards, and four assists. A huge game from Terry Rozier is needed in this basketball game. The 76ers Celtics game is the most important game, I think, for both teams because I think if the 76ers can finally beat the Celtics because the Celtics have owned them, if you actually think about it, their Celtics are six and one against the 76ers in the last seven games. Butler was just, I think that was like his third or fourth game during Christmas. So maybe they all weren't on the same page, but the 76ers can go in the trade deadline and go, Hey, we made a great move at the trade deadline to get us past the Celtics. And then they beat the Celtics. Their confidence is going to go through the roof, but the Celtics also can't be going in losing three out of their last four or four in a row going in the all-star break because no one needs the all-star break more than the Boston Celtics. I think all these guys need a vacation away from each other. And hopefully Kyrie, because Kyrie and Jason Tatum are the only Celtics players that are going to be involved in anything of all-star weekend this upcoming weekend, which is fine by me. I don't want anyone else involved. Everyone go away, clear your heads, come back. We'll see you in Milwaukee on the 21st. Okay. But before that, Another back-to-back, but this time it's at home against the Detroit Pistons. Pistons are currently the ninth seed. They're three or four games below 500. Thon Maker, like I mentioned earlier, he's now on the Pistons. He'll be getting a lot of minutes. And the Pistons just got probably the best guy in the buyout market, Wayne Ellington. He's a great three-point shooter. He's a great scorer. He basically went from the Heat, got traded to the Suns. Suns got rid of him, signed with the Pistons because he saw the opportunity there, and I'm happy for him. So good for him, Okay. But in this game, rebounding is insanely important against the Pistons. It really and truly is, especially since you don't have Aaron Baines and the Time Lord's confidence is gone because of his injuries and how much he's been back and forth with the main red claws for the Celtics, etc., etc. And last Friday night, Andre Drummond, 29 points and 20 boards. And he was playing against DeAndre Jordan, who's a very good rebounder. Like, absolutely crazy. The Celtics are 2-1 versus the Pistons this year. And 
every single time that they've won, they've won the rebounding battle. So you gotta win. But here's the craziest part about the three times that the Pistons and the Celtics have played this year. All three games have been decided by five points or less. Crazy. It's, you can't lose four in a row going in the All-Star break. You got to win at least one of these, and it better be the 12th, which is Tuesday and 76ers. So these next two games are very winnable games for the Celtics. I really and truly believe that. They need some confidence to know that they can beat a good team on the road because they haven't ha- beat a good team on the road. Because, like, sh- let's see. Their last few road game wins were against the Knicks, the Hawks, and uh, the Wizards. Yeah, that's really not that great. So <laughs> this basketball team needs to win on the road to get some confidence, especially going to All-Star Weekend. Now, let's talk about All-Star Weekend real quick before we do our banner banter investigation before I get out of here. All-Star Weekend. I'm a big fan of All-Star Weekend. I've always loved All-Star Weekend for the NBA. I think it's the best All-Star Weekend out of any of the sports. My mom used to <laughs> VHS tape them. Like if I had a basketball game, I'd tell my mom to put on TNT, you know, starting at 8 o'clock, and she'd hit record, and I would like fast forward through old school days. Like I remember my buddy Josh Turner, he had his Sweet 16 birthday party. I think it was at the Chelmsford Country Club, like where I'm from, I'm originally from Chelmsford, Mass., and we watched the dunk contest during his birthday party. <laughs> and that was the Vince Carter one where Vince Carter did everything that he could to blow, to basically ruin the dunk contest because that was the best dunk contest of all time, maybe after MJ and Dominique Wilkins in the mid-80s. But I I, I don't know. I'm just a sucker for NBA All-Star Weekend. And, I'm, and I like what they've been doing. This is the second year that they've kind of done the draft where – you get the highest vo- the highest votes of a Western Conference player and the highest amount of votes from an Eastern Conference player, and they're the captains, and they have to pick the starters, you know, the other guys that the NBA and the media and the fans picked. You pick those eight guys, and then you pick the reserves. And last year they didn't televise it because they were afraid that, like, guys might get butthurt about it, but, like, grow up. They're, they'll be fine. And so this year was the first time they ever televised it. So it's going to be Team LeBron and Team Giannis on TNT on Sunday night. Now, Team LeBron, his first few picks were all free agents. Hmm. Interesting. Tampering anyone? No, I'm kidding. Just LeBron's just really smart. So his team is Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, LaMarcus Aldridge, Carl Anthony Towns, Dwayne Wade, Clay Thompson, and Ben Simmons. That's filthy. <laughs> now, the only thing that kind of sucks about that, if you take away, like, Towns and Aldridge, I think the tallest guy on their team is Kevin Durant. <laughs> and he's not even a five, but that's just the way the league is going now. And then Team Giannis is pretty good. They they got all the big guys. You know, you got Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry, Paul George, Joel Embiid, Kemba Walker, Blake Griffin, Dirk Nowitzki, Jokic, Vujicic, Lowry, D'Angelo Russell, Chris Middleton, and Russell Westbrook. And by the way, I can't believe that Bradley Beal was the last one picked. Like, I thought D'Angelo Russell would have been by a mile, but whatever. So my prediction for the NBA All-Star game is that Team LeBron wins by 15. They're just going to blow him out of the water unless... I mean, you got Harden and Durant, who arguably are the two best scorers in the league by like a mile. 
sure, Steph Curry can shoot lights out, but like, yeah, no, it's going to be a blowout. And then All-Star Saturday night, they got a whole bunch of competitions. It's always really cool. The first thing that they got is the Taco Bell Skills Challenge, and the guys competing, basically what it is, you dribble a little bit, you pass a little bit, you need to hit a layup, you spread on the other end of the court, you shoot a three, everything has to go in, and you move on. Jason Tatum, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, Mike Conley, Kyle Kuzma, DeAndre Fox, Nikola Djokovic, and Vujicic. So you've got like two centers, a couple power forwards, and the rest are point guards. My prediction is that Mike Conley is going to win just because I think De'Aaron Fox is probably the fastest guy out of this group, but I think Mike Conley is a better passer, which is important, and a better three-point shooter than everyone else. I would like Jason Tatum to win. I think that'd be great, and I do not want Kyle Kuzma to win because he's a Laker. Anyways, and then the three-point contest. Last year, Devin Booker went off. It was either last year or the year before. He got 28 points. It was a crazy performance. So you got Devin Booker, Steph Curry, Steph Curry. So Steph and Seth Curry, the Curry brothers, they're from Charlotte. The all-star game is in Charlotte, so that's pretty cool. Danny Green, Joe Harris, Buddy Heald, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, Kemba Walker, and Dirk Nowitzki. Now, I want Dirk Nowitzki to win because that would be really cool for him to say, hey, I'm like 108 years old and I just beat all these young guys. But my sneaky prediction to win, Joe Harris. He's a good shooter. So it'll be interesting to see. Steph Curry's like been good in these competitions, but I don't know. He, I feel like him catching a ball or dribbling off, you know, or shooting off the dribble is a lot better than just grabbing a ball from like a cage and shooting it. So I think Joe Harris will win, but I hope Dirk wins. And then the dunk contest. You got Dennis Smith Jr., Miles Bridges, John Collins, and Hamado Diallo. I think that's how you pronounce it, but anyways, Dennis Smith Jr. can jump through the roof. John Collins, I would love John Collins on the Celtics, by the way. He's on the Atlanta Hawks. He's an athletic freak. Diallo's on the Thunder. He's like a 6'4", 6'5", guy that, again, just hops, but I think Miles Bridges is going to win this. Miles Bridges was, like, made for the dunk contest, and I think he's going to pull off some really cool stuff for us to see. And then one last thing, Friday night is Team USA versus Team World in the Mountain Dew Rising Stars game. Dirk Nowitzki is going to be the coach of Team World. Kyrie Irving is going to be the coach of Team USA, and Jason Tatum will be playing for Team USA. So that'll be kind of cool to see that. All right. Now, before we head out, Banner Banter Investigation. Let's go. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special Banner Banter Investigation Celtics Unit Report. This week's Banner Banter Investigation is thanks to my buddy John Curley. He texted me during the Lakers game and said that I should find a sneaky good free throw shooter from the from like an 80 Celtics team because the Lakers went 22 of 41 from three. It was insane what they did from three-point land on Thursday night. And seven of 18 from the free throw line. They missed 11 free throws. That's a joke. So I needed, I looked up the best free throw shooters in Celtics history. Now, before we get into this, I need to ask everyone, who do you think we are going to be talking about? Now, you might think right away, well, maybe Isaiah Thomas, maybe Ray Allen. Sure. Ray Allen, number one free throw percentage in Boston Celtics history from the free throw line. He only missed 100 free throws. 100 free throws. Less than 100 free throws in all of his years in a Boston Celtics uniform. 
That's insane. Number two on the list, which is kind of shocking, was Isaiah Thomas. So Rayon, Isaiah Thomas. Number three, Larry Bird. Then you got Dana Barros. We've already done a banner banter investigation about him. Danny Ainge, we're not going to do that. And then eighth, Delonte West. But that's not who we're going to be doing this about. We all know that the banner banter investigation is all about the circle of life. Nasa Pena, right? Number 14 on the list is Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw is currently the assistant coach for the Los Angeles Lakers. I thought that was very, very interesting. Now, Brian Shaw got drafted by the Celtics 24th overall in the first round. I think it was the 1988 or 1989 draft. He went to the University of California, same place Jalen Brown went. And he was number 20. Guess who was number 20 for the Boston Celtics? Ray Allen who's the number one free throw shooting percentage of all time in Boston Celtics history. But Brian Shaw played three years for the Celtics, 1988 to 1992, just for a little bit in 1992. He made second team all-rookie in his rookie season, and in 1990-1991, he actually had the 11th most assists in the NBA. Crazy, right? And then in January of 1992, he was traded to the Miami Heat for Sherman Douglas, who we've done a banner banter investigation on. I don't remember what number, so don't even ask me. But... Brian Shaw did own one of his own records himself. In 1993, while playing for the Heat, he was the first NBA player to hit 10 three-pointers in one game. So the guy could shoot from three-point range and from the free-throw line. I think his percentage was like 87% from the free-throw line while he was playing for the Celtics, 14th overall, better than Paul Pierce. And Paul Pierce was a pretty good free-throw shooter. He then went on... Brian Shaw to play for the Magic, the Warriors, 76ers, the Lakers, and the Blazers. He's, he won five NBA championships. That's pretty impressive. Three of them as a player and two as a coach. All of them for the Los Angeles Lakers. So, But, yeah, that's your banner banter investigation for this week. A little free throw shooting fun because that was the only good part about the Lakers game is how many free throws they missed. But anyways, that's it for episode 28 of the Banner Banter Podcast. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast or on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18. Please share it with your family, friends, colleagues, peers, whatever your heart desires. So yeah, thanks so much for listening and make sure you guys watch the Celtics game on Tuesday night, 8 o'clock against Philadelphia 76ers, the most important game of the year in my opinion. Thanks again so much for listening. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.